0: let's go welcome home this is the residency podcast i am jeff demasic with drew belcher and lil raven sir bringing you the biggest guests and stories in entertainment business pop culture and sports from our studio on the las vegas strip inside the mandalay bay make sure to subscribe on apple spotify and youtube you know the drill big time episode today boxing week in las vegas the master of the boxing universe chairman of matro boxing maybe the best dressed man in the world and owner of the best accent in the world as well. Eddie Hearn, welcome to the show, man. Thank
1: you, thank you. Chairman sounds a bit old, really. Like, I don't know. What do we call it? What, what well, do we do? no, but I think that's what I am. Yeah, because yeah. my dad sort of become president Got of it. the Got company, it. which is like a bit of a strange like analogy yeah. as well. But chairman always seems a bit, I don't know, you know, how does chairman sound to you, American it, folks? It sounds like, so good and was important. It, it sounds oh, yeah. important. In, in that case. I'm the fucking chairman. chairman. <laughs> no, <what? laughs> yeah. Yeah. Am I allowed to swear on this chairman? It sounds cards? very real. Yeah, absolutely. Swear as much as you it want. I don't like swearing. A... My mum always tells me, I do a lot of swearing in interviews. And oh. my mum secretly watches everything and she goes, Will you stop swearing in interviews? But, Tone you know, it down. I just feel like it reflects the reality a little bit more. Yeah, like how you much absolutely. you care about something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: 100%. But, uh, and in America, they changed the owners of a lot of us professional sports teams now. They couldn't be called owners anymore. They have to be called governors now. Okay. So you know, mm-hmm. it's always Maybe about the shift. I'm moving on to the governor of boxing. You, you well, that, sounds, that sounds really. That could be that good. That sounds right? real official. Like that. If you Hi, it, I'm the governor of boxing. Nice I'm you. the okay. governor. Wow. That's it. Period. Yeah. Perfect title. Yeah. Uh, if you do do that, just give us a shout out. Okay, you know thanks. Yeah. Co-creators. Absolutely. It. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, all right, we need to go back a little bit and talk about your history with your dad first. But uh, since this is the Vegas podcast, off the rip, we know where does Vegas rank in the cities for boxing for you? It's it's
1: everything. I mean, growing up as a kid. Around boxing from like eight, nine years old, you'd always, you know, think of Las Vegas as the mecca, the pinnacle of, of the sport. I've been here since the age of 17, 18 for big fights. Obviously, my dad's history in, in boxing as well. But I remember coming for like Nazim Hamed against Marco Antonio Barrera at the MGM Grand. And, you know, Vegas has been a big part of my life really because bef- before boxing, I was involved in a lot of poker and I used to create all the televised poker. That you see around the world today. Oh, really? So, wow. Yeah, I was involved in the World Series of Poker, like coming here and being in that circle. Got it. Those sort of gambling, you know, hoodlums that, <laughs> that, that existed, which which really prepared me well for the world of boxing. <laughs> right. to yeah, because sure. they're very similar. Same yeah. person, yeah, same so, person. So, but you know, boxing. When you talk about boxing, really, you've got Madison Square Garden, but every fighter really wants a big fight in Vegas. Of course. Vegas, and, and it brings yeah. the it brings the fan base. You know, whether it's the Brits whether it's the Mexicans you know yeah. whether it's the Americans everybody wants to come to Vegas and this weekend particularly being independence weekend the Mexican fans will be out in force for you know for the
0: real governor of boxing for sure you know, yeah. Canelo Alvarez. yeah for sure uh, yeah, yeah, you're trading you're trading the title already yeah, okay yeah, cool yeah, yeah, now yeah, the mind. trade back and forth what is it like by the way for those fights that we there's so many marquee fights you've been a part of but the Country passion along like a Canelo fight during a Mexican Independence Weekend does that take it to a whole new level? Yeah,
1: I mean Hispanic fight fans in general, right? right? Coming into the American market, you have so many sports here that are above the pecking order of boxing, right? You know, and then you have the college system. So it's not just American football, (laughs) but it's college basketball, it's college football. So, but I feel like every Hispanic fighter that we have, you know, really creates this incredible energy, and and you know that comes across. Um, with Canelo Alvarez, like we've never seen anything like it. Similar in a way, like Brits are very passionate about boxing as well. For sure. But when you walk through like the grand arrivals yesterday in the lobby, the weigh-in on Friday, you see it. Means a lot to them. And and as an event promoter and a sort of content creator, there's nothing like that. You know, when you're looking in the arena, when you're you know creating content around the weigh-in, the press conferences, the flags are there. They care. The passion. You know, yeah, it is. And it, it's you know it, it makes him very special as a fighter.
0: And everyone comes in full force, like you said. They need that win. They want it so badly. You know what? Others, different than uh, like in America, like in the UK, some of the massive fights you've done in the UK, you guys are full-blown doing Wembley Stadium, like Mm. these 150, 200,000 people. In the US, boxing is pretty much, we stick with arenas and we don't really do stadiums that often here. In the u.s is that like a country thing yeah, you i think, think we need to change sports?
1: that because i think the perception of you know when you're growing a sport right really you need people to watch and go wow what is this and right. if you're in an arena and there's three or four thousand people how how can you as a fan look at that and say this is a massive sport this yeah. is a huge event sure we did canelo yeah. alvarez against billy joe saunders at dallas cowboys seventy-four thousand, <sighs> and that was the biggest indoor uh, crowd Ever. of all time in, in american boxing and That was a moment where people, even now, I looked yesterday at some footage and was like, I can't believe we did that because it was trippy. You know, you're sort of in there, this incredible stadium, 75,000 people. And that's where we need to get to. The problem is there's very few fighters that can do it in America. Mm -hmm. And really you're talking about one in Canelo Alvarez. I mean, there's some great fights out there, Errol Spence against Terence Crawford. But the problem is, is that's really for fight fans, of which there are many. But how do you embrace the casual audience? You know, the man on the street. And that's the same with all these great names in American boxing. You can walk them down not just any street, their own street, and people don't necessarily know who they are. Yeah, interesting. You know, that's so, so boxing is has a huge fan base yeah. internally, but to become a massive star, you need to reach outside of that. And very few fighters have done it. Canelo Alvarez has. Doesn't matter where he is in Mexico, you know Canelo Alvarez. For <laughs> yeah, sure. for you sure. know, Anthony Joshua in the UK, same kind of thing. He can walk down any street, people know that's Anthony Joshua. Yeah. You know, Deontay Wilder. Terence Crawford, Errol Spence, these guys—can they really? I mean, I think they could walk down the strip in Las Vegas, and you know, I'm sure the odd fight fan would would know them. But that's the difference, and yeah. that's why we got to continue to raise the profile of boxing outside of the YouTube stuff as well, which I've been involved. With. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, for sure, we hey, got I'm sure you sure. right? will. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you will. But you know, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Because that audience, people talk about if that's good or bad for boxing. You know, you're bringing in a different kind of fan base that doesn't know. Errol Spence and Terence Crawford and those
0: kind of guys. Absolutely so right. it has its place. Yeah, you need the Americans really get behind the story and the drama of it. Uh, in, in addition to the actual skill and the fight in the ring, but they need something extra to feel like passionate about if there's no like country pride or anything else, but they need to feel like there's something in there, like another, sto- another storyline, mm. right, to get behind. Because like you said, the difference between 17,000, 18,000 people at T-Mobile Arena versus 60,000, 70,000 people at a Cowboy Stadium is... Insane, massive, right?
1: You can do it. I mean, we could have done this fight with Gennady Golovkin and Canelo at the new stadium, you know, and the the problem is as well. It's, you know, obviously MGM, you know, the whole experience of being on property, you know, and, and the lure of bringing, and sometimes the gate, you know, the revenue from the gate on Saturday, it could actually be bigger than the revenue from the gate in the stadium with 70,000 people, people look at you and say, how's that even possible? Mm-hmm. But you just create this demand of being on site, on property. There's something about being at the T-Mobile arena. I love the MGM Grand arena as well, because that's, a, yeah, because that's an it's arena cool. that sort of, I grew up watching big fights in as well. You know, yeah.
0: Right. And there's so many iconic things. it'll grow, right? Like you, there's always sure. the next generation of fighter and we'll get to the YouTube stuff because we, we agree, right? A little, the new generation versus the old generation of how boxing is viewed. But for our listeners, a little bit of background on you so they can understand more. And something that I don't think a lot of people who are avid boxing fans know is that you own Matchroom with your dad. Mm. Um, can you give us a little bit of background on what it's like working with your dad? How yeah, that so he, is?
1: he's a Hall of Fame boxing promoter. So right. he you know, started promoting boxing um, about 35 years ago. I was like eight years old. And he became one of the biggest promoters in the UK. And really from eight till 15, 16, I spent all my youth, or probably a little bit older just being around boxing because he was away like I am all the time. So when I could go to a show, I would just be at the show, ducking around into different (laughs) changing rooms and sort of going around and, you know, being part of these nights, carrying belts out for fighters and and not knowing where I'd end up, you know, today. But sport's been a big part of our life. And he's a sports promoter, not just boxing. But, you know, he promoted Lennox Lewis. He promoted Nazim Hamid, Chris Eubank, Nigel Benn, you know, the big fights in the UK for many, many years. and. Um, I followed too. I didn't think I'd end up doing that when I left college. I went into sports management and was representing golfers on the PGA Tour and the Europeans. So I never really wanted to work for him because that was always kind of the path that I was going to be. So right. growing up, I was just no one knew my name. I was just Barry's boy, Barry's son. You know, sure, my dad. Sure, so yeah, sure. awesome. I wanted to sort of make my own path in life. And eventually, the legacy was too much. And sort of after ten years in in that industry, I came into the business and started to create all the televised poker content. Um, which was huge for us as a company. And then my passion kind of just found myself back in in boxing, really out of nowhere, just meeting someone actually at the World Series of Poker, a British fighter. And I signed him and and we, we basically took over boxing in the UK and through DAZN have taken that global, you know, with a big American deal. And now we're promoting in Australia, Mexico, Italy, Spain, all around the world. And we look at businesses like UFC, WWE, that's really where I want to get to within boxing because right. it's too fragmented. Fans aren't getting the fights that they want because mm-hmm. of different promoters, different broadcasters. You need to create an infrastructure for boxing that can make in house fights. But to do that, you need a global stable of great fighters and great athletes. That's where the UFC is such a powerful brand, it's such true. an amazing business. Yeah. Because ultimately, they have control, you know, and yeah. they have the ability to say, you are fighting you. You know, I go back to Errol Spence and Terence Crawford, like that's a fight should be made three or four years ago. It should just happen like that. Yeah. And they may not even get it made. But I look at Dana sometimes, you know, and I, I think you're so lucky. You know, and yeah. sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he says to me, you know, I'm thinking about going to boxing. I say, you won't You, you won't last in boxing. Because yeah. he'd lose his head. Don't. Yeah. Because he'd go, right, you're fighting. No, no, hang on. The lawyer's here and the manager's here and the advisor's here. And the amazing thing about boxing is there's no barriers to entry. So literally you or you, today could go, I'm going to go into boxing. I was going to tell you that by the way. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was going (laughs) to mention that. I look look forward to the meeting. (laughs) And you know, because, and the frustration is like, my dad can't handle the frustration now. He left boxing years ago because it's a terrible business. Every day is a problem, but it's also the greatest sport in the world, in my opinion. And when you walk out on Saturday and you see it and you feel it, there's nothing quite like it. But you know, I'll give an example. Like there was a fighter in the office recently. My dad's sort of semi-retired now and he's got a couple of advisors. That really know absolutely nothing about boxing. I think one Perfect. was a car dealer, <laughs> one, one, one sells insurance, you know, and I'm sort of he's sitting kind of there having to sort of pander these guys. He's going, the OG you know, best think, friends? Yeah, I think, you know, what I think you should do is, you know, and I'm sort of sitting there and my dad just strolls in the office. I think he's been playing golf and he walks in, he says, oh, uh, right, who, you know, who are you? He recognizes the fighter. He says, oh, we're, we're his advisors. And he goes, all right, he says, um, yeah, he says, how's everything going? He said, well, to be honest with you, he said, We're not very happy with the way that you're handling so-and-so's career. My dad said, excuse me, who the fuck are you? You know, and they're like, sorry. He said, what do you do? He says, well, what do you mean? He said, we're his advisors. I said, on what? He said, on what basis? (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, oh, no. You know, he doesn't care. (laughs) Like, he's 70-odd years old. He's just like, he said, you like, he said, if you don't like it, you can fuck off out the office now. Said so you're a joke, you're a joke. You know nothing about boxing. You don't even deserve this. But this is what you deal with every single day because people find boxing so seductive and so sexy. So people with power or people with money want to be, be, be in the sport, sure. yeah. 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 whether that's investors, whether that's just individuals with money, whether that's good people, bad people, they just get drawn into boxing. And I talk about the world of poker players. I mean, that was in. we talk about narratives and stories. Like when I was creating poker programming, do you have any idea, these poker players, like the stories behind the new generation are a bit more nerdy and mathematic, Right. but the old school guys. Just class. Like, anybody like, you can get sit down. The Play stories, the man. Yeah, but yeah. the stories, like what, how they how they live their life, they're hustling every day. And with boxing, everyone's got a story. You know, the story of Canelo Alvarez, who's a guy who used to sell popsicles, you know, ice pops on the street of Guadalajara out of, out, out of his dad's truck, to, you know, he's called Canelo, Cinnamon because he had ginger hair, he was the only kid like in Guadalajara with ginger. With, I mean, these are, we love to create content. And yeah, content sure. and shoulder program has to sit alongside live events. But there's so many stories in boxing that need to be unearthed, and, but they're not being told. And if you don't tell them, you won't get the fans to come along for the ride for and, sure. and, and join that journey. I,
0: I think, I mean, I always thought the dynamic now of how you and your dad are versus now, like the interesting part of that transition Was there ever a moment where that transition really happened? Where you said Barry's boy to the governor of boxing? Yeah, it was
1: was probably a fight George Groves against um, Carl Froch, where the first fight was controversial. And there was so much drama and interest for the rematch that I decided to do it at Wembley in front of 80,000. Right. And I was, you know, he always let me do my own thing. But this was a time where I said to him, I think I can do this. No one had done it before at Wembley. That that amount of people, and he said, "Look, son, you're mad. Like you won't do thirty (laughs) thousand, it'll be a disaster." And we did it. You know, we sold out on the first day. And from that point on, he's kind of like, you know. But he loves it because all the people whose ass I'm kicking now, he used to fight with. Yeah. Yeah. So Bob Arum, Frank, like they were, they grew up together in boxing. But he stepped back now. But my dad came from nothing, and he always takes a mickey out of me, calling me Silver Spoon. Kid, right? (laughs) But because he started to make money as I was sort of in my very early stages of my life, and I've had a good life. But he's everything for us is built around sport and competition, and he was always petrified of me being like the spoiled kid. So he almost made me work harder for stuff because he he was so scared. And but everything's about sport for us. Like you should have seen when we were younger, when I was younger, playing sport with him in the garden. It was brutal. You know, like as (laughs) I mean, I'm a parent. Like if my daughter's playing taking penalty kicks at me and i've saved three out of three you let the next two in don't you do you know yeah. what i mean yeah of oh, course, oh, of course. Not, not my dad not of he's tipping them around the corner <laughs> you know, get better. I know yeah. a, you get your score Skunk. when you deserve to score yeah, i'm like exactly. okay jesus you know but that was our you know so we're very competitive and that that sits across business as well
0: by the way i we read a story that you and your dad actually physically got into yeah. a boxing match one time well, that
1: was the same thing he said look when you're 18 he said obviously you've you know you've grown up with you know with privileges and i didn't and i'm going to take you in a gym and i'm going to give you a hiding you know and teach you about like coming from the streets versus coming from where you came from so (laughs) i was like okay so i started having a few amateur fights at like 14 and 15 but when i got to 16 i was like six foot one and like already i don't know like 70 kilos and he was like i think we do it now at sixteen, rather than eighteen. I mean, I won't wait too long. Yeah. you I mean, yeah, too yeah, 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 exactly. This what you get for being yeah, so tall. Yeah. I don't want you too big. And I went in, and he like I'll never forget. Like the bell rang, and we had these little gloves on, and he just came out, and his teeth grit. I mean, when we tell this story, like some people, you know, if we if we're talking like in the financial sector and we're telling this story, these people are going, "What?" The? Like, and he's going, "And I whacked him with a right hand round the head." <laughs> he goes, "And no, I've never hit someone so hard." And I was so proud because he didn't go down. You know, and, <laughs> oh, and I remember just looking through my guard, and he's like. You know, and I just got through like two or three rounds and I just hit him to the body and he, he went down, he couldn't get up and he was so proud. You know, like I wouldn't yeah. tell anyone about that story if it was me, you know, <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Yeah. literally the next day in the paper, like it was everywhere, like, you know, Hearn's seen him, my son knocked me out in the gym and he's like, and, but, but that's again, like he wanted that's, that, yeah, he did, yeah, he, he, he did, now. he's like, that was, that was him. After that moment, he was like, you're all right. Yeah. You're, yeah. Like, you're okay. Yeah. You know? yeah that's when the that's when the governor race really exactly. began yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. when the politics started. For sure,
0: for sure. that's amazing too. yeah as a dad i guess i have a daughter so i can't really say <laughs> the same now but if i had a son right you know if you could take a punch and you could punch me back and knock me down like there the, the guard it's old, changes it's old school parenting yeah, yeah. Mean, <laughs> I, I, I have a son who's two years old and i remember when i was maybe 15 on my way to high school my father and i got into it and you know mm. i was like today's gonna be the day where i test his ass yeah. and he beat my ass yeah he yeah. whooped my ass and yeah. i hope because i know one day it's gonna come where that my son tests me and I hope he whoops my ass. Yeah, the world's <laughs> changed. Be the best, the yeah. world's changed a lot now. For sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and when you end up having a fight with your son, you
1: may end up doing 10 years inside. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. In 2035. <laughs> absolutely. <yeah. laughs> that's, that's a life. That's,
0: that's, <laughs> There'll be 20,000 phones on here yeah, yeah. immediately. Yeah. Uh, great content, though. You know what I mean? Maybe get a couple <laughs> followers out of it. I don't know. Who it's knows? a new world. Um, that's amazing. So let's get some boxing stuff. Massive announcement. Obviously, recently, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury mm. confirmed. Massive. Is this, I was reading, possibly the biggest person in boxing history, biggest person
1: in UK history? Yeah, I mean, we've had a couple of those. He's boxed over in the Middle East um, yeah. against Andy Ruiz, the rematch, and recently against Usyk. But this fight's kind of like the biggest British fight of all time and may end up being the biggest fight in boxing. I mean, we we agreed terms on Friday. We've still got to sign the contract. And got we've it. been in this spot before several times. They don't particularly like each other. But you know this is a massive fight where you talk about a fight that sort of like I said, it brings the casual audience together. This is a fight that brings the whole nation together. The like, story, yeah. I actually yeah. don't know anyone in Britain that wouldn't be watching this fight. Yeah. Like, it, it's, it's that big. So, um, it's amazing that Anthony Joshua, who's coming off two defeats to Alexander Usyk, is now in the biggest fight of his career. And I think that fighters need to recognize that and they need to see it, you know, because they're too afraid to lose the O. And sure. that's, again, mm. going back to the UFC, that's the same kind of thing where you can actually become a bigger star coming off a defeat. Canelo Alvarez is coming off a defeat to Dimitri Bivol. Yeah. And he's fighting Gennady Golovkin for a lot of money at the weekend in a trilogy and no one's even really talking about the Bivol defeat. They're just saying, well, this is going to be an epic fight. So, you know, I think that sort of perception of a loss in boxing is going But and Joshua now has three losses and Fury has none. Just a draw, but... It sits as the biggest fight out there in boxing.
0: Certain fighters, I think, in weather losses because of their storyline and the passion yeah. behind them. I think more than others. For, is this going to be like a Wembley two hundred thousand? Yeah,
1: Millennium Stadium. It looks like uh, yeah. in Cardiff, which has a roof, which is amazing because it's um, like ninety thousand there. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they just they just did WWE there, which is another amazing business. You know, and sorry to sort of jump around, but I, I just I I just find it so fascinating that grown men debate who's going to win tonight in the WWE. Always. Beforehand, yeah, right? yeah. Always. Yeah, when yeah. it's scripted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's fake, guys. It, it is amazing. I mean, as a kid, like, I'm older than you guys, but like Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, like yeah. I'm looking at The Undertaker now thinking he must be about 70 because yeah. I remember him when I was, yeah. you know, and, and I loved WWE or WWF, what it was called at the time. And I just, how good is this product that, not kids, grown men. Adults. Are yeah. saying, I think that guy is going to win tonight. And I, I it's like, and well, you know, they're it's already, decided it's, they already decided it's massive but this is what I'm we're massive.
0: talking about think about this that is we're talking about the skill the difference between or the addition of skill and story to create yeah. drama and tickets the wwe the skill we know they're everyone's athletes there but the script has already been written so it's really just about the story yeah that they're telling the fake drama between the, the villain amazing. That's amazing and we've had a lot of wwe stars on the show yeah and when we put the episode out Certain, certain demographics are more opinionated than others. Mm. And WWE fans are wildly yeah. passionate Insane. and opinionated right. about right. the amazing. fighters. Imagine awesome. imagine Obsessed. if it was real, maybe, <laughs> maybe it wouldn't work. Yeah, it, I mean, it not no, work. No, but
1: imagine if it was life. actual sport, yeah. and they're, yeah. Uh, you know, like, but- <laughs> They, them, they right. have done one of
0: the better jobs of building the utmost true cult following out yeah. of any other sport, Huge. I
1: think. And, and the viewership, the audience on another level. I mean, we, we had them involved with some DAZN stuff and we did Taylor Serrano, the women's fight, MSG, it was amazing. And we had these, you know, these stars, uh, Bianca Blair, is it? And these, like, and I've never seen them before. Yeah. And I'm, um, like, the numbers, you know, of these, you know, i have just having a photo with one of them and posted it across my... It's like, wow. Yes. <laughs> met her. I was like, wow, yeah. she big? Yeah. She's big? Like, oh, <laughs> I have done more. You know, I do <laughs> yeah. really know, but it's incredible. Give like, me a heads up so I you know, know, Exactly. People, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think that yeah, you, like, people don't, like you said, the numbers in the sports that people are so devoted to it, it's become, like, this massive cult following of... And sometimes when you're not in the world and you see these people in real life or they come on the show and we know a little bit about them, but we're not, this isn't a WWE show by any means. Mm. And so we'll ask like more, you know, open-ended questions and then the diehard fans will yeah, come in yeah. and start commenting and they'll get really, really, yeah, really into yeah. it. It's fun. It's yes. great to watch. Mm. Do Plastic. you think there's a real possibility of a boxing, a true boxing league coming to fruition one day? Yeah, like I think, the Yeah, there's people
1: have tried, you know, PBC tried, but the problem is everything's in-house. So unless you took a position and bought the industry and bought these different company and businesses, very hard to sort of bring it all together because the problem with a league is you couldn't include those guys right. because that network or those that like if I came out now and different said I'm going to create a boxing championship, those promoters and go would go fuck her like we ain't letting our fighters go in there or another network would say no we're not we're not letting it we don't want yeah. our fighters to go on that network. So that's that's the frustration, you know, but so you either have to grow the business to a point where you can eat up all those other promotional companies or you just become so big and have such a big talent pool that you can just make in-house fights. And that's really I mean, when you think about UFC, UFC is not the entire MMA business. Of course, there's plenty, you know, Cage Warriors, Bellator, uh, Bellator. Bellator, you know, all these other but they are are the the pinnacle for sure. So, So really, they haven't. Just completely dominated the industry in, in the respect of ownership of other leagues or but they are the league right yeah. you know and, and again I, I look at that business and think, wow you know these young MMA fighters to get the UFC contract is everything and you know I look at what Dana built as well and that's really a few years ago when I looked at Dana and even like Vince McMahon and those kind of guys you look at the leader. The governor, if you like, yeah, the governor, the governor for and that's, sure. That's actually we put a lot of work into my position in boxing in that respect because you don't rely as much on talent. Yeah, his talent's always important, but if you can have the voice, if you can be the figurehead of that sport, then that's very powerful as well. And Dane, the way Dana and the McMahons have done that, again, same same thing. Insane.
0: Do you think obviously with all of the conversations about UFC fighter pay and like how the league works and paying the fighters? Have you seen that? Do you think that dynamic is interesting in the UFC versus how the payments are Well, in I mean, it's
1: like it's like flipped on its head. You know, you talk about the fighters, I think getting 20% of the revenue or something like that. It's the other way around in boxing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. they get 80% of the revenue. Yeah, yeah. And, but Dana is right. The, the fighters in boxing are vastly overpaid. Like in terms of their commercial value. You know, I go back to like Spence and Crawford and these kind of guys. Like if you're only delivering 200, 300,000 pay per view buyers and selling out a gate of $5 million. How do you expect to be making $15, $20 million a fight? Doesn't Canelo work. Alvarez wants to, you know, he hits a million pay per view and generates $25 million on a gate. Different, you know, and, and, you know, that's how a purse should be translated in terms of your commercial value. But it doesn't really happen in boxing because of that competitiveness between the promoters and the, and the, the networks everyone's just competing and overpaying right. fighters to win that race. Whereas yeah. Dana will just sit down and say, this is your money, you know? And it's not, and they go, well, you're fighting him and send your contract, what well, do you get?
0: Him. My contract, 10 fights, here's exactly, your second exactly, fight, go fight. Exactly,
1: yeah, fight two, 50 grand, there okay. you go. good luck. And then by the way, if it's fight the night, you get another 50 grand. <laughs> yeah. <mate. What's> <laughs> I mean, but, but that's a mate like that is, I'm so jealous. yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so jealous. <laughs> and, sure. and listen, people cr- so criticize UFC pay. I'll tell you one thing, I've been to, well, two, I, went, I was at Darwin against Lesnar, Carwin against Lesnar, where it was like, I don't know, 15 years ago at Mandalay Bay. And recently I went to UFC London, and mm. Dana invited me and he sat me here next to him and the cage was there, oh, right? Crazy. It was unbelievable, you know? And I'm not even really an MMA fan sure. or a UFC fan. But I'll tell you what, for all the people that criticize Dana and say, you know, the fighters are badly paid, etc., etc., Every fighter that won in that cage jumped over and ran around to Dana to hug him. For yeah. sure. And I thought, well, it can't be that bad. Yeah. So they, don't yeah. Talk, they don't talk about the facility up the road here, you yeah. know, the medical care, you know, and and it's, as a business of that size, there's gonna be bad stories. But I saw a guy like me he was very passionate about what he does, loves MMA. And, you know, like I said, they all, you know, but but to have the power to to for those athletes to want and need. To be a UFC contract fighter. Like to sign your UFC contract yeah. is everything. It's and either that or you don't. You don't we have, have a little bit of that
0: in boxing. Like if right. you sign with matrium, great. But that's another level. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I think uh, all the audience is always curious about financial questions that we have and how the structure of boxing really works, because to this point, there's no business model mm. like this anywhere else in the world. When when a fight is created, what is the financial breakdown of the promoter, the match room, and the fighters, and how does that actually work?
1: It depends on the size of the fighter. Like, If you're creating a show, you know, you'll, you'll bring your revenue in. It's your TV revenue, your international TV, your sponsorship, your gate, and you basically map out from your PL how much you want to pay fighters. Yeah. You know, when you get a bigger fighter, like Canelo Alvarez or Anthony Joshua, the way we do it is we give them all the revenue. So we'll sit down almost like a partner in the show and we'll take a percentage of their purse. Got it. So, you know, again, going back to a 20% is, is more of an industry standard than a, the other way around in the UFC. Right. But the fighters, I love that model because the fighters get to see the revenue coming in. You know, as a fighter, over the years, you kind of like, you fall out with a fighter because they, they're looking at you going, and they're looking at the crowd and going, how much money have you taken? And they always think it's 10 times more than- Sure, of course, yeah. sure. of course, of course, of You have an argument with a fighter and he goes, you know, I boxed in there. There was 20,000 people there. It's like, hey, we sold 3,000 tickets. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with someone like Canelo, he, he's smart enough. He's been around the the, yeah, yeah. the the business so long. And we will say, you know, we'll work together to say, look, here's the gate revenue. Here's the broadcast revenue or the pay-per-view, the international TV, the sponsorship, and this is what we're gonna spend on the opponent. The undercard, the costs, which are now sparring and out of control globally, flights, hotels, everything. Yeah. You know what I mean, and he will say, We agree with that PL, and you know, I will I will receive the the profit of effectively that show. And Eddie, you will work for me and you take your percentage from that. The difference now versus the old school promoter is these guys are all my bosses. Right? Like mm-hmm. Canelo Alvarez, I Got work it. for Canelo Alvarez, but Got by it. the way, I also work for the kid on the undercard who's in a six round fight for his debut. That's my boss, and that's people find that hard. Like, and they think that I'm saying that just like for clout, but that's how I work. I work for the fighters, and yeah, we want to make a bit a profit, and obviously we're running a business as well. But they're the they're the talent, yeah. and the old school promoter people like Bob Arum and Don King, they can't say that. Even my sure. dad, you know, my dad, oh, no, 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 like they, we were, they were the, the fight, bosses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're the, we're paying the money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you work for us. Really, but I, that, I, I don't really see that with what we're doing because the model doesn't have to be like that. If you're creating the revenue like they are, yeah, we're telling the story. Sometimes we're taking the risk, but they're driving the revenue. They're getting in there and fighting. They're the talent. They're the show. It's not like you know, if it was Celine Dion, you know, you're not got some guy going, yeah, you Celine, you work for me. <laughs> yeah, like the there, yeah. yeah. Going, well, are you joking? I'm going out there singing. They're all here to see me. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> what Thank you're you. telling me, you're the boss yeah. just because because you're putting a show on yeah. behind the scenes. So. Yeah. You know, we, we run a very profitable business, but they're the talent. They're, they are the bosses, in my opinion. And, and again, that's something that's very different to the, the UFC. For sure. You know, the for sure.
0: Yeah. Is there a fight that you remember that made a lot more money on the back end that you had ever imagined, that you were so surprised by? Um
1: All, all Canelo Alvarez fights, you know, <laughs> yeah. all anti-Joshua. You, you go back to those, those names that, yeah. like again, boxers are generally overpaid in terms of their commercial value, but not fighters like Anthony Joshua, you know like canelo alvarez like these i mean i think probably the casey taylor amanda serrano fight that we did at madison square gardens the first all-female fight to headline there we sold it out you know and and we sort of went in with the big sell and the narrative and two women and you know first time ever in boxing history and it sold out you know with irish and puerto ricans and it was just it was incredible that's probably a night where i sort of thought wow that was big yeah yeah i didn't really expect that we hoped but when we went from the the small arena there to the big arena I was, I was worried, but, you know, Canelo Alvarez, his pay-per-view numbers are incredible, you know, and, and obviously you know, we've worked with him for a long time now. And um, he's also, I, I think in boxing, I find it quite fascinating that people can have the same drive, ambition and hunger when they change their life to those kind of levels. You know, boxing is a very dangerous sport, very tough sport, it's a brutal sport. The training's brutal, the sparring's brutal, it's cutthroat as a sport, as a business. So when you go back to Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin, you know, the kids selling the popsicles on the street of Guadalajara that was thinking, wow, one day, you know, I'd really like a nice house or I'd really love to win one of those belts that I've seen Julio Cesar Chavez win. Yeah. And then all of a sudden dominates the sport, becomes undisputed, makes hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, virtually owns Guadalajara now and, you know, his house in San Diego. How do you wake up every morning with the same drive and ambition in that sport? And the answer is because he's a winner. Yeah. Right. And he's a competitor. But Marvin Hagler had a great quote that said, how do you get up and do your hill sprints and morning runs when you're wearing silk pajamas? And that is so true because the kid you were then can't be the man you yeah, are now. For Motivation sure. is so, very so different. So how do you got this guy who now pulls in with one of his six Bugattis and, like, <laughs> and, you know, and, and goes out the back door and there's an infinity pool looking over California. Yeah. And then the trainer says, oh, at 6 a.m. tomorrow, I want you up doing 15 miles. And then after that, you're gonna have a one-hour sleep, and then you're gonna go spar 15 rounds with a guy that wants to kill you. I love that. I love that. I think you know, and that's why I respect him so much because I just look at him and say, "How would you do it?" Like, and that's a passion and a love for what you do, and that makes you more dangerous, really, than any background you come from. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Wanting to win and wanting to have a passion, you know, want, having a passion and loving what you do. Being a great hat. Being a great
0: has to be addicting, right? Like yeah. you can't. Imagine yourself falling off either mm. way side and but, just sitting around. But in
1: in boxing, yeah, it's not like being a great is like you know. Again, no, no disrespect to tennis or golf or that kind of stuff. Right? You start get punched physical, in the face. Hor- like, <laughs> yeah, horrible! I yeah. horrible. The face. Like you have to be a tough. You don't see fighters come from wealthy backgrounds. You know what I mean? You have to be a you have to be a killer in this sport. Yeah. That's the reality in all fight sports. MMA the same. I'm watching the UFC and by that cage, thinking. Wow!
0: It's no way. No, it's no on way. On the
1: floor, elbows in the head, forearms across, <laughs> yeah. like
0: the ears are popping out. Every like, you know, it's more need to start than choice in the very, very yeah, beginning. It if is. you could
1: choose, because you know, it's a way out. For it, right? Yeah, it's a way out for these guys. Yeah, but it becomes a passion and a lifestyle. And when it does, that's the only thing that can keep you at the top. Yeah, and get you there,
0: keep you there. That's crazy. You're right, though. When you have if you've been that successful, what's the need to go back in and back yeah. in and back in and back in? Um, I'm glad you mentioned the Madison Square Garden fight because mm. we're going to key into how that fight got put on. Mm. You got a co-promoter for yeah. that fight, um, <laughs> so working with Jake Paul as a promoter, how was that experience like on the promotion side?
1: Um, I mean, really, like you're using each other. You know, he's using us because it's an opportunity for his fighter to come in and you know fight our fighter, who is Katie Taylor, come into the zone, you know, make his fighter a lot of money, and we're using him. You know, we're using him for his platform. He's a bright guy. I mean, I, I promoted his professional debut.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: I promoted KSI against Logan Paul at Staples Center. Like oh, I yeah. know these guys that are unbelievably bright. I mean, yeah. Logan, much brighter than Jake, in my opinion. But Jake's smart. We have our ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. Right? And uh, yeah. I respect Jake. I actually respect him in a boxing sense as well. But I you know, we fell out because I just I, I told him he was average. Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. And that's that's actually actually a compliment like to be an average fighter coming back you know again coming to this kid who's 26 27 decides to go into boxing but he's just got people around him now that are blowing so much smoke that he's like we had a conversation where he's actually telling me he's going to beat canelo alvarez and i'm looking around for cameras i'm thinking am i mike tough is, right? like, is this is GQ, gq again, again? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he's like no I'm, te- I'm telling you and i'm like what and he's like i'm going to be world champion uh, so again going back to the passion and he's putting it in right but also the eyeballs that he brings and the controversy that, that he brings you know we saw that with jake and again going back to logan and ksi on another level like those guys are geniuses at what they do and the numbers like i remember when we did ksi against logan paul i think we streamed the um the press conference there was like three or four million people watching that press conference a press live. it's crazy and like i'll do an Anthony joshua or a canelo one and there might be a hundred thousand yeah you yeah. know and i'm thinking wow but they are saying yeah well your mum uh, you know, to each other, and I'm standing up there just like <laughs> now just melting my credibility like <laughs> yeah. into the stage. But but then I'm in Staples Center, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden Justin Bieber comes and sits next to me, and like I'm looking at Ed Sheeran's over there, or actually a fake Ed Sheeran, that's another story. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, and I'm looking at, at the fan base, the audience that are probably between 17 and 21. Right. And I'm thinking this is just different. Yeah. You know, but you got you got to know how to use it. You know, you can't just have a huge fan base and think that will work in boxing. You have to bring that audience into the sport, educate them about the sport if you're going to get them to stay. That night at Madison Square Garden just gelled perfectly between me as the boxing guy who can talk to the boxing audience Mm -hmm. who don't want to talk to Jake Paul and Jake Paul talking to the other audience telling the story and selling the narrative of the greatest female fighter of all time. You know, he's quirky, he's out there, like no filter, he'll yeah, say whatever. I, no, I mean, yeah. I, I, don't, I, I I always say what I feel, and I don't, you know, we, we're not friends, but yeah, he's a, he's a strange guy sometimes. But at the same time, <laughs> like I respect what he does, and sure. um, and and he's fighting, he's training, he's sparring, he's putting in. He's when, I, when I go back to you know, no barriers to entry in boxing. Just like you can go and try and become a manager, you can also go and try and become a fighter. Right. So there's no reason like he's not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Like fighters sometimes also sort of they they feel offended that this guy is going into the sport and making money at that level against Mm. that kind of opposition. Tough shit. Yeah. He built that fan base. Yeah. He built that business to be able to go in and do that. Nate Diaz is probably a similar. Obviously, he's a real fighter. Yeah. But at the same time, he can walk into boxing and fight a six rounder. Might be making a million dollars just yeah. in an easy fight, and you get some fight. Like, That's a joke. He's not a boxer. It's like, mate, it's people hard, care tough. it doesn't yeah. work yeah. like that. And That's... and and Jake knows how to interact with his audience, you know. Um, and he's he's a hype man, you know. And he's also <laughs> out there every day. Like you don't want to get in a social media argument oh, with Jake. No Dana no, found no that out, way. you know. Like it's a diss track. It's all this. And sometimes no I'll way. be having an argument with Jake, and I will just think, just rein it in. Just yeah, uh, yeah, Don't yeah. <laughs> wake up in the morning and go, oh no, like my kids are crazy. Like, but. Being involved with KSI and Logan Paul and Jake, like I would go and pick my kids up from school, and they wouldn't be talking about Canelo Alvarez. They'd be saying, "Wow, he's
0: KSI's promoter." I'm like, "Oh man, wow, yeah, I've worked my <laughs> whole life it. on this. You know, so like <laughs> yeah. this is what it's come to." Yeah. Sure. It, so is I mean, flat out, is Jake Paul good for the sport of boxing? Yes, or, yes. yes,
1: good yes. for the sport of boxing because he's not. I I, I have a problem with YouTube boxing. At, you know, it's very dangerous. You know, you just saw in one event Gibb against McBoom. Like, it was a bad knockout. Yeah, it was like, bad. someone's going to get hurt. Like, yeah. and, and, but Jake Paul is actually legitimately training with a real team. He's sparring. Full he's, up. he's taking part in boxing camps. He's yet to fight a real boxer, but he will, you know, and even Anderson Silver, who's, I know he's 48, but yeah, like, he can, he can box. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I
0: think Jake Paul's good for boxing. So we had, we had a question. So obviously Jake Paul has been on social media talking about how he wants to fight a real boxer. Why haven't a lot of real boxers come to create that Jake Paul fight when they know the money's going to be massive? Well, they have, but he's, it's just the selection
1: process. Like mm-hmm. he has to be very careful. Got it. And his team, some of them are deluded, some of them are smart, know that he's not going to be a certain level of guy. Yeah, no. so they found a guy Hassim Rahman that fell through. He's like sixteen and zero, yeah. but just got knocked out by Tommy Morrison's son, which isn't a good sign. Like, and so that was a really good match for Jake Paul. Smart match, I think he's like sixteen and one. Mm. You know, and or the pro- Tommy Fury, right? Yeah, Tommy Fury, same thing. Yeah, but they're all they're all limited. Right. So sure. that you know, again, it's just smart moves. So the perception of wow, Jake Paul's fighting a real, a real boxer, fighter, But yeah. an average real fighter like he is. Do you know what I mean? So those fights are actually 50-50 fights, which is actually really exciting. But, you know, I think we should also give him the opportunity to see how far he can go. Of course. And by the way, if he beats one of those guys and and all of a sudden gets a fight with someone who's in the top 20 or 30 in the world and beats one of those guys, like he'll never become world champion, like a real world championship, or beat a world champion. But you can improve. You know, he can punch. He's an athlete. Yeah. Like, you know, so just like any other kid on the circuit, it's
0: your chance. If you if you can do it, good luck to you. As yeah. fans, by the way, it's great entertainment. Cool, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like yeah. We yeah. take Some my money. money, all of it. Like one hundred percent. But the press
1: conferences, like everything. I mean, again, going back to when I was doing it, like I was just standing there. But <laughs> the you know the the, the the aftermath and you know the the opinions of that world. It's just nonstop. You know, he yeah. said. That, you know, even like going back to Gibbon. Boom, and these yeah. guys, and all, but you just got to be a little bit careful because it's a very, very dangerous sport. And, you know, that they, they always of say course. don't play boxing, and you you just got to be careful. Like but you Jake said, the
0: know. other guys were are YouTube creators or social media creators who box yeah. for a, a, a payday, versus Jake Paul now has become a boxer yeah. who brought the audience, which has never happened before. Yeah. No one's ever had a massive audience and then decided just make like, hey, I'll tell, I'll 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 a tell boxer. you one
1: thing now Logan Paul, have you seen Logan Paul in the WWE?
0: Not live, I saw Mate. the WrestleMania match.
1: He is unbelievable. Entertaining, yeah. 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 No, Entertaining. but not just that, super good. An athlete,
0: yeah. Mate, he was diving off
1: the turnbuckle, <laughs> yeah. right? Onto a table, like through the air. Like he is, I <laughs> mean, he's so smart, Logan Paul, and he's also an incredible athlete. Like he, you know, he's he's not a terrible boxer, he's not very good, but he was a wrestler at college, like honestly, watch jake watch logan paul in the wwe he's he's got such a massive future in there and it, again when you think about someone that has that kind of fan base and that kind of following that can go into boxing or this time go into wwe wrestlemania like he's yeah. he's golden to yeah. the wwe yeah. again as big as they are just a different kind of voice a different kind of audience he's perfect and he's he's an incredible athlete Logan Paul. It gives it's them incredible.
0: a sense of being real too, right? Yeah. Because they've seen this guy and they, they have this guy at their disposal they watch his whole life. He steps in that ring. And he's like, oh, that's re- he's a real guy. That's yeah. a real thing and going you on. you either hate him or love him and you want to see him win or yeah. you want to see him lose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. And they'll script it both but, ways. But again, yeah, sometimes sure. you get
1: a celebrity in WWE that just turns up yeah. and like, punchy someone, sure. like yeah. this honestly, unbelievable.
0: Out. That's awesome. And how about the fact that he just whipped up a fight against Floyd Mayweather? I know, <laughs> and, and <apparently, laughs> he's
1: still saying he never got paid. Yeah, he's still yeah. waiting for his money, just I just think, yeah, yeah, right? yeah,
0: Another issue probably, I'm assuming with boxing in general, Absolutely. right? Uh, actually, that is a question that we have. Like, what is the most difficult thing when putting on a fight? Is it dealing with the fighters, the managers, the lawyers? It's just that
1: at any given moment, something can go wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, A fighter can get injured, a fighter can get sick, a fighter yeah. can fail a drugs test. A fighter can have an argument with a lawyer. You know, it, it's literally every day is a drama in boxing. Yeah. And it, it, you see people, you know, I'm 43. I've been in boxing for 13 years. I look at people like Bob Arum, Don King. Like these people have lived a life of bitterness because of boxing. Now, they still love it. And, it, it you know, it's the thing that drives them. But every day is a problem. And you have to ask yourself, do you want to live your life like that? So, I'm looking at it and going, How many more years do you actually want to do this? And the answer is, I want to fucking win. So, I'm not letting these motherfuckers win. So, if I have to do it to 103, I'll be here probably. But you do have to ask yourself, (laughs) at what point, you know, you imagine waking up every day and you're like, Morning, morning. Oh, it's putting out fire. It is. You go and WhatsApp, he's out, he's had an argument. Someone's abusing you. You're on social media. The fans are going crazy. Like, it's just, you live in like a, a bubble world of this sport. So, I've had times where fights have fallen through on the day, oh. you know, and you, like literally, you could have all this work goes into Canelo Alvarez against Triple G. He finishes the weigh-in, and when fighters are making weight, you know, you know that it's, it's tough. Yeah, they go out, they have food, they wake up in the morning, they're throwing up everywhere. Yeah, they can't, can't do it. And you're sitting there going, you know, have to. and then you have to go to the zone and say, guys, <laughs> I'm really sorry about this. We've got a little <laughs> problem. What's the problem? The fight's off. What tonight? Yeah, tonight. Yeah, you know, you've sold the whole, you've spent a couple of million in costs. <laughs> like it's just but that's that's live sport. That's the problem. But boxing's different because right. of of the outside sources, because of those people that we talked about earlier. And you know, you might get a situation where not at the level of Canelo Alvarez and Triple G, but you've got a fight and half an hour before the fight, the fighter's about to walk out, the manager might come over and say, I'm actually he ain't walking. We want another hundred grand. Oh, wow. yeah. Even after things signed and stuff too. Yeah, because, always, yeah but like they, this is isolated incidents, but this yeah. is, you know, it's not uncommon that someone's trying to shaft you or someone's else. trying to, you know, make money on the side or whatever well, it is, you yeah. know, and, and you hear stories about even promoters going into change rooms, making fighters, sign contracts before they ring walk and stuff like that, you know, and, and it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a cutthroat business. A lot it of really hands is. in the pot everywhere. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, and that's historical. Yeah. You know, that's never... Change it. It's it's become more professional now, and we're trying to change that that image of the sport. But in reality, everyone's trying to make money yeah. off everyone.
0: Yeah. And is there? Do you feel like you argue the most over, or not argue? I'm saying when you're when your negotiations is like, is weight the biggest problem? Is money the biggest problem? Or is it normally just it's, there's just a little bit of everything? It's generally it
1: ego like ego you know. weight. I mean, I've made fights before where fights have fallen through because this guy wants to go first on the poster. And I'm like, (laughs) like it's 50-50 split. But he's like, I'll do the fight, but I'm going first on the poster. Right. And I'm like, okay, let me just go and talk to the other guy. That's not a problem. Go and sit down and go, listen, you're about to make a few million, but he wants to go first on the poster. No fucking way. I'm like, what? No, does it matter? You know, you can you can walk second. You know, how about that as a compromise? No, I want to be first on on the poster. And you're just sitting there going. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. I give, oh give up, you yeah. know, but that,
1: that is like, and sometimes the broadcasters don't understand that the fans don't understand that you're like the bad guy because you haven't managed to put it together. But sometimes, you know, the, the reality is wait. You know, who walks first? Who's got what changing room? How many tickets they get? Like these are, this is the menial stuff that, that is very frustrating about boxing. You
0: know, yeah. uh, last question we got for you, the greatest Eddie Hearn fights you ever put on what are some of your like top three
1: okay so Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko at yeah. Wembley oh. 90,000 uh, that was incredible um there's a fighter called Tony Bellew right he's in Creed remember the rock the Rocky yeah, film yeah, he's yeah, a bad yeah. guy in Creed so he's like he's a, one of my best friends now but we signed him years ago and somehow he got into the rocket like this is just a, a guy from Liverpool right really sort of you know a good honorable basic guy from liverpool and one day he comes up to me he goes here lad he went i'm going to hollywood and i was like what and he went i'm in the rocky movie and i was like what are you like a stunt dub we went no i'm the main bad guy <laughs> right so he he ended up becoming like the main bad guy in creed and after that fight we took him to everton football club and we did a. he fought for the wbc world title and won yeah and, and we called the show "The Real Life Rocky Story," and it was like it was just such an emotional awesome. night. So there's that one, and then probably Canelo Alvarez, Billy Joe Saunders at, mm. at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium, yep. you know, awesome. with Jerry Jones, and like yeah. I'm sort of there as a Brit, sort of thinking, "What's going on?" I was like, hey, <laughs> yeah. Jerry, how are you? you know, <laughs> that's a very really, yeah, yeah, good uh, accent. Hey, uh, yeah, you guys, <laughs> yeah, you guys, on? like the one thing that I struggle with so much <laughs> over here, and w- the reason that American promoters hate me so much is we're full of sarcasm, Brits, right? And you guys. Don't get it yeah. like in the yeah. same way, or you or better, no, actually, more respectful, you don't find it very funny. <laughs> right, right. Sure. So, I'm like, speaking, like, there's a guy called um Leonard Ellaby, who's Floyd Mayweather's oh, yeah, guy, yeah, 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 yeah of I course. know, and he hates me, like, I'm like, but I'm like winding him up all the time. So, I'll say to him, like, they were saying to me, why don't you fight Len Ellerby in one of these like you know, YouTube style fights? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I said, look, at the end of the day, I said 95 5 split. 95% to me, cause no one's ever heard of Leonard Ellerby. I don't know who he is. Like, but I'm just like, j- joking. Like, and I said to him like, and I was like, yeah, because um, I'll have to fit that in because I've been asked to go in the new James Bond film. Like just, just mucking around. And yeah. he's come out and going, this guy's an idiot. He thinks he's gonna be the next James Bond. It's like, mate, I'm just joking. <laughs> like, what's the matter with you? So, so they hate me over here. Um, but you know, I don't know where I was even going with the story. But yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, well, we like to have fun. Yeah, of, of course. course. You know, that's of course. that's the way it goes. But they're, they're, they're a little bit interesting over here. They they don't quite get the sarcasm.
0: Well, yeah. we'll we'll bring it up for you. you thank know, so we'll thank you. We'll try the best. Thank and by you. the way, James Bond of boxing, governor of boxing, yeah. you got a lot name. of nicknames. The James going. Bond. Yeah, was was yeah, yeah, yeah. We want it absolutely. Uh, Eddie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Guys, uh, off the camera, Eddie invited us to every matchroom fight ever. In the we're gonna be there show. too, we'll we're taking them all up on the it. time. We're now the official traveling <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast <laughs> yeah. of Eddie Hearn. It's going to be massive. Canelo fight this weekend, Anthony, Joshua coming up. Anything else matchroom is doing that we need to know about?
1: Oh Yeah, I mean sports all around the world. Yeah, But particularly, let me tell you about one sport <laughs> yep. that matchroom are involved with. And I think you, my friend, will be perfect with that shirt. I'm ready. Darts. Darts? Darts, Mate, I'm telling you now, right? You guys have no idea. Darts in the UK is second only to Premier League football in terms of audience, in terms of numbers. It is the best night out you will ever experience. We just did the US uh, darts event at Madison Square Garden. It was sold out. It is absolutely wild. So when we do our next US darts event, you guys are coming, we're coming. and you will, you, you will not believe what you're it's about dark. to do. Do you know, do you know they just
0: opened a dart spot open in Vegas, it's called yeah. Flight Club. Yeah, yeah but that's, a, a that's, club. that's global, that place. There's yeah. a lot of them in London. Yeah, yeah. Tell right. you now, darts, darts,
1: darts is mega. Guys, mega. We're, we're, yeah. going, no, we're going. But you know what now, because when you talk about narrative and storyline, like the, the Brits, you've got these guys sort of walking out. He used to be like a builder. Now he's making like 5 million a year playing darts in front of 15,000 in the crowd. You know. And like, but the fans love it. They're looking at this guy and, and everyone's got like a walk-on song and oh. everyone's like in there. It's a massive drinking culture. So you go and it's like a giant pub. You're not really even watching the darts. You can't even see the dartboard. <laughs> the and there's big screens everywhere. And all of a sudden you'll just hear, you know, the, the MC go, yeah, it's because he's got, yeah. And everyone just stands <laughs> up like yeah. with their beer and downs their beer. I'm telling you, It is crazy. What?
0: We're, we're perfect for that, to wow. be honest. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. The Bullseye Boys will be our <laughs> yeah. darts podcast yeah. I love coming it. out very soon. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, Eddie, thanks again for coming the show. This was awesome. Guys, we'll see you next week. Later. Next <laughs> week. Later. Next <laughs> week. Later. Next <laughs> week. Later. <laughs> week.